It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian. What is up, everybody? You are listening to another episode of the 49ers web zone, No Huddle Podcast, a part of the Odyssey Network. I am Brian Rennick, and I am joined by our international man over there, Zane Nakvi, Zane, you are uh, you are in the uh, the Great White North or the Great Smoky North, if you will, uh, apparently uh, up there in Canada. How are things going outside of, uh, as I can tell, and maybe people can uh, as they listen? Seems like you're a little bit under the weather. Yeah, you know, like just just plain hurt here, trying to trying to bang out some content in the off season. You know, it's our favorite thing to do. So with uh, with the lack of news and all that stuff coming out, but no, man, love Toronto. It's awesome. It's uh, one of my favorite Canadian cities, man. They treat me well here. It's great. Love it here. Nice. Nice. Uh, speaking of, of playing hurt, there's a little bit of news in 49ers land. Uh, the rookies reported today for camp. Uh, veterans don't report until next week, uh, but the rookies reported. And after that, uh, the 49ers placed cornerback uh, Daryl Luter Jr., who they drafted in the fifth round out of South Alabama, uh, they placed him on the pup list, the physically unable to perform list, uh, but nobody knows why. And none of that information has come out yet. Uh, but hopefully this is a, a, uh, but that's, uh, that's about it for, uh, for news. Uh, how concerned are you hearing about looters injury? I mean, it puts more pressure on the starters are simplified, right? We know that Dion or Lenore and, and Mooney Ward are getting the starters and, you know that uh, Isaiah Oliver is going to be in the slot. So it really just puts pressure on the depth a little bit because I feel like you're going to find out whether Samuel Womack can kind of find his footing again and, and whether Ambry Thomas is playable now. So there may be an opportunity for somebody else to step up, like one of the undrafted free agents or uh, guys that, like like I mentioned, like Ambry Thomas or, or Samuel Womack. So it's not it's not the end of the world, obviously, because you're talking about your like fifth, fifth cornerback, but at the same time, it's news. So I think that is, it's an opportunity for somebody else to step up and take that spot. I'm not really concerned about it. I think Luter was a project anyways, and they weren't expecting him to get major playing time as it was, but yeah, anytime you hear that, like a guy that you just drafted is immediately on pup. Yeah. He kind of raises some eyebrows a little bit. Yeah, you know, and, and the 49ers did that last year with Clea Davis. Clea Davis spent the majority of the season on the pup list, but we knew about his injury. He was drafted uh, having having experienced a, a, an ACL tear, uh, I believe, late in his late in his season. So uh, the looter news is is a little uh, a little on the surprising side, uh, but uh, again, you know, he that is depth more than anything, uh, which as as we know, the 49ers. Uh, need as much depth as they can have because uh, they love to get injured. And so hopefully this is not a, uh, this is not something that portends for uh, his future or the future with a cornerback group. Uh, but it is again, like you said, newsworthy. Uh, but uh, outside of that, again, veterans report next week. Uh, I'm actually going, I said this on the last episode, I'm going to uh, open practice on the 27th. I'm excited. Uh, get to hang out with some uh, some guests that we've had on the show previously. Uh, Jason Aponte, Jordan Elliott. Uh, I think uh, Jack Hammer will be there. 
Um, so uh, excited to to hang out with them and see what what amounts to at least football activities. But uh, what I wanted to to focus on, uh, kind of the question that that we will that we will look at uh, for this episode uh, a week ago. So we're recording this on uh, July 18th, and a week ago on July 11th, a Philadelphia radio host. Uh, put out a tweet and all it said was the 49ers have to be the most overrated contender in quotation marks. The NFL has had going into a season in a very long time. And you know, it, it begs the question, a, why are Philly fans and radio personalities so unintelligent? But outside of that, it also begs the question, is that even something to consider is this 49ers team overrated in relation to their ability to compete for a Lombardi? So I think that the first thing that we should note is that it's obviously a team that, that doesn't know much about the 49ers, the fan base that doesn't know much about them. They're not in the same division. They play each other every X amount of years, except unless it's the playoffs and they are not rivals. So, this past True. NFC Championship game, it was, I believe, the first time that they played in the playoffs since 1996, I believe. Mm-hmm. So uh, they don't they don't see a lot of each other, especially in the playoffs. So I think that part of that is just plain ignorance on their part because they just don't know. I think the sure. other part is that there's a weird obsession that Eagles fans have with the 49ers and the Eagles players and media over there. It's a weird obsession that they have. And... Debo was on the radio with a, a Philadelphia radio host, sports host yep. on CBS Sports, and his agent cut off the call because they repeatedly were asking about the championship game, and they can't move off of that. That seems like that's the only topic of discussion when it comes to Eagles fans and, and the media people, maybe not the players so much, but definitely the fans and media people. So I think there's this this odd fascination with the 49ers that they have because of the circumstances of the NFC championship game and how the 49ers lost that game, obviously losing all of their quarterbacks and not even having a chance to compete. Like that just, there's, there's no winning in that situation. So I feel like they're seeking some sort of validation for that championship game win when clearly the odds were not even, it was not a fair fight because the Niners didn't literally record and everybody knows that. Right. And I think that that's the validation that, they're trying to seek on their end is that like, well, you know, we actually won that game and we should get credit for that. But, but I think that the other half of that is that they lost the Super Bowl two weeks later. And this championship game thing is all they can kind of hang their hat on at this point. Yeah. Because they ended up losing the Super Bowl in that fashion, blowing the second largest lead in the Super Bowl history in the fourth quarter to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. So I think it's a little bit of both of those things. But that being said, so first of all, the Eagles, if you call the 49ers uh, overrated, what does that say about your team beating them in the championship game? So you beat an overrated team though. So you shouldn't get credit then, right? That's, that's what I take away from that. If, if they're overrated, yeah. then it's fine. Then you shouldn't get as much credit as you did because you beat an overrated team. And the second thing is, is that you're, you're talking about a team in the 49ers that has top five players at several positions. And you and Al kind of went through that. And yeah. You're not an overrated team. If you have that many blue chip players at that many positions, the only position that I can say that's in question that's going to affect all of this is the quarterback position and how Brock Purdy is going to respond in his first full year of starting. 
Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, and, and largely I think I would, I would, I would imagine uh, because I'm not going to waste my time listening to that guy's argument because I just think it's, it's pointless, but I would imagine that that is, that is part of, if anybody believes that this 49ers team is overrated, it's largely going to hang on the question mark at quarterback, which is fine. I understand that, but here's the reality of this 49ers team and the roster that, that they have put together. You know, again, the past two episodes, Al and I have gone through ESPN's uh, top 10 in each position, right? The defensive side of the ball, the offensive side of the ball. On the offensive side of the ball, the 49ers have the top-ranked left tackle. They have the second-ranked tight end. They have the second-ranked running back. And they have what we argued was the 11th-ranked uh, wide receiver. Uh, Debo Samuel did not make the top 10 in that list. And again, this list is not, ESPN's judgment. It is Jeremy Fowler going around and polling uh, executives, scouts, and players and coaches, I believe, and putting together this list of uh, of top ten at the position. And so they listed the top ten, and then the first one that they listed in honorable mention was Debo Samuel. So again, we kind of interpreted that as eleven, right? Um, and then you go to the defensive side of the ball, and they've got the number one defensive end. They've got two of the top 10 linebackers. They've got the fifth ranked defensive tackle and they've got the ninth ranked safety. So in ESPN's list, going through the, going through the, the, the position groups, they have eight players represented in the top 10 in eight different positions. Sorry, seven different positions, right? Cause they've got two top 10 linebackers. You cannot have a roster with that level of talent and deem that roster overrated, despite what the question marks are at quarterback. Because Mm -hmm. here's the reality. Yes, they have question marks at quarterback, but the question mark is, is Brock Purdy going to come back and be able to pilot this offense at the same uh, the same level he did in the eight games that he that he did. Now we're talking about thirty plus points a game, and then uh, uh, two playoff victories, which are impressive. There's there's no doubt about it. But then you've also got a very talented and respected, and in the locker room at least, um, unknown in Trey Lance, and then you've and then you've got Sam Darnold. But again, to to consider them to be overrated, you've also got to consider that Kyle Shanahan cannot get the best out of the three quarterbacks or four quarterbacks, if you include Brandon Allen, that he has. And at what point in his career, outside of backup level uh, talent at the position in Nick Mullins, has Kyle Shanahan not gotten the best out of his quarterbacks? And the answer is largely never. So again, is this team overrated? No, I don't think you can be overrated with that level of talent, especially in an NFC that is as weak as it currently is. My question would be, who are the teams that are rated higher than the 49ers at this point? What are the team roster-wise that you mm-hmm. can possibly rate higher? You could say, okay. In the, the NFC or in the NFL? In the NFC. Or just in the conference, right? Like you I, could say, the I, Eagles, I think there's only two. Yeah, the Eagles and 
maybe the, the Cowboys, maybe. Right. Uh, th those would be the two that I think people would say yes to. And it's, again, largely because of the quarterback position. Um, right. So, <laughs> so, so then you're, you're talking about the third ranked roster in the NFC. I don't see how that's, I don't see how that's overrated, right? They, they, there's, they're clearly the best team in their division. The 49ers are, they are better than most of the other contenders. They've beaten Dallas twice now in the playoffs. And <laughs> I, I just don't see how anybody could look beyond that. So I think, I think it's just a lot of, a lot of hot take stuff, a lot of ridiculous stuff coming from there. And I think Certainly. that, uh, you know, he, he accomplished what he needed to accomplish and put that out there. And it was, it was ridiculous, but Look, we're going to find out once the season comes because even on their end, if we want to talk about what Philadelphia did, Jalen Hurst has only had one really good season. That's it. Yeah, That's it. He's had one yeah. good season. He had that mega contract. And now let's see what he does. Let's see if he can stack that again. So I think that there's a lot of unknowns on their end as well. Like they have a great roster. They're a really good team. They had a really good draft. So there's, there's nothing to be taken away from them. But again, they lost back. both of their coordinators though. They lost both they of their coordinators. And I I don't believe in Jonathan Gannon. I don't think he's a good yeah. defensive coordinator. I don't think their defense was all that great. I think they had a lot of talent, but I don't think it had anything to do with Jonathan Gannon. To be perfectly yeah. honest, I'm thrilled that Jonathan Gannon is a coach in the NFC West because right. I don't think he's going to do anything. But I do think the loss of Shane Steichen is huge because mm -hmm. that offense did not look like it looked last season in 2021. Mm-hmm. And right. Shane Steichen wasn't there. Or sorry, yeah, 2021. And Shane Steichen wasn't there. Shane Steichen was there last year. He came last year from uh, from Los Angeles, from the Chargers, and really turbocharged that offense. Now, can, uh, can Nick Sirianni pick up where Steichen left off? Maybe, but we don't know that. We don't know that. So there's un, there's question marks there too. I, I don't think I don't think that that their roster talent is undeniable. We can't yeah. you know it is what it is, but there are still question marks there. But again, for the 49ers, the biggest question mark, and uh, we've spent two we spent two episodes not talking about the quarterback position, uh, which might be a record uh, for a 49ers podcast, but. Uh, we do have to talk about the quarterback position when we ask this question, are the 49ers overrated? Because largely that question stems, like we said, from the question mark under center. And I thought it was interesting, uh, Albert Breer. Uh, so uh, the uh, boss man himself, uh, David Bonilla, put out an article on the web zone today. And Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated was on uh, Colin Coward's show. And they talked about, the 49ers quarterback situation, specifically why the 49ers drafted Trey Lance. And I thought he had some interesting things to say, and it really backs up a lot of what I have been saying uh, during this off season about the 49ers quarterback situation. And uh, what Breer said was that talking about Trey Lance and Mac Jones, he said, those were the two guys that, uh, or Shanahan said, those were the two guys that we were locked in on from the beginning. And if we never moved up to number three, we would have never had the chance to learn more about Trey, right? So that's why they made the move. They were locked in on those two. They thought maybe, maybe they could get Jones at 12, but 
they didn't think they had any chance to learn more about Trey if they didn't move up. Uh, and so, uh, Albert Breer, like I said, joined Colin Coward and said a big part of the Niners picking Trey Lance over Mac Jones in 2021 was because so many teams are now running the Niners offense and so many teams are defending the Niners offense in practice. And so he felt like, how do we add on to the offense? How do we change the dynamic of the offense? How do we be a little bit different than the other people who are running my offense in other places? And I thought that was interesting. And, and, and I think a lot of people have talked about that, about how, Kyle Shanahan needed to evolve his offense and the way the best way that he could do that. And Shanahan talked about it was to get a guy like Trey Lance or really what they said was a, a threat to run the ball, right? Because then you force the other team to play 11 on 11 defense, which automatically gives the offense the advantage. But what I think is interesting here is this question, how do we change the dynamic of the offense or how do we add on to the offense? They did that by drafting Trey Lance and they, then they handed over to Trey Lance, but then Trey Lance got injured at the beginning of last season. And what did they do? What did they do? They traded for Christian McCaffrey. Christian yeah. McCaffrey has now been what they needed to evolve the offense, to add to the offense, to change the dynamic to the offense. But my question is why not add both Christian McCaffrey and this uh, this quarterback that you already thought, hey, this is a guy that can help me evolve the offense, and 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 that's really you know I went uh, I went on uh, Ted uh, Ted H six uh, Ted uh, Ted talks ball uh, has a YouTube channel and and it talked about this idea that it still seems it still seems odd to me that this team is not willing at this point to see what they have in Trey Lance for the, the sake of winning in this window that they currently have, because in the NFL, your biggest window, right? And Joe Burrow has said this, Joe Burrow said Cincinnati Super Bowl window is as long as I'm here. I love that. It's one of my favorite quotes. Their yeah. Super Bowl window is as long as I'm here. That's the, mm -hmm. that's the best that's the easiest, that's the quickest way to open a window in the NFL is to have an elite quarterback. You thought you got that in Trey Lance. He got injured. You didn't get to evaluate it. Brock Purdy came in and played a great eight games, and I'm not taking anything away from him. But is eight games enough to move you off of the guy that you traded a haul for that you thought could help you evolve the offense? Because what Breer says about Brock Purdy was that once Purdy came in, said he ran the offense the way that Shanahan wants the offense run, which is why Shanahan loves guys like Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo. But Shanahan admitted so much in as much that maybe that's not enough anymore. And so it's just, to me, to me, you got to see what you have in Trey Lance. You just have to. And that doesn't mean that you have to hand it to him and that, and that this is his season, but why rush Brock Purdy back? Why not put him on the pup? Let him, let him sit for the first four weeks of the season. See what you have in Trey Lance. And if you've got, if you're cooking with gas, then you keep going. But if not, if you're two and two or one and three, which I have a hard time believing they'd be based on their schedule, then you've got the guy that you're ready to move on to coming off pup and ready in week five. So here's the, here's the criticism I have for Kyle about the quarterback position. 
I feel like, like you mentioned, Albert Breer mentioned that Kyle prefers quarterbacks that will run this his system the way that he needs it to be run. And we've talked about it on the show before where he wants a quarterback. Al says, Al, Al described it as hit the B button and the ball goes there. Right. right. That's, that's what Kyle wants. Hit the B button. The ball goes there. So where I am kind of reserved in judgment on that is, is that you sometimes have situations and games and seasons and whatever it may be like of the course of the course of any period of time where your scheme is not working for any, any reason. You could have injuries. You could have the other team just playing a great game. You could have weather. There's any number of reasons that will equalize a game, even if you have the better roster. And that's just the way the NFL is, right? It's about parity. So I feel like you have to be able to provide something different if you want to be able to win those tough games. And that means that you have to be able to operate outside of the box and outside of your scheme at some point during that game or for the entire game. And the argument that I make for that is if you look at coaches like Andy Reed or Bill Belichick or any of the great coaches, Pete Carroll, any of the great coaches in the NFL, when they need to win a game, they don't, it doesn't matter. They will pull whatever they need to pull to win the game. I feel like Kyle doesn't have that ability to deviate off of his script and off of the game plan to be able to win a game like that. And you could argue that's why he doesn't have a Super Bowl ring on his hand, either as a coordinator or as a head coach, is that he was not able to deviate off of the game plan. Debo, as we have talked at nauseam in the Super Bowl loss against Kansas City, did not get the ball in the fourth quarter. He was the best player on offense that entire game, did not even touch the ball in the fourth quarter. There was the Rams game, the championship game, where on third and two and fourth and two, Kyle called two vanilla run plays or, uh, sorry, uh, second and one and third and two, Kyle called two vanilla run plays at the middle, then punted from the Rams 40 yard line. Like it's just, I question that sort of ability that Kyle has to be able to go outside of the box. And if you have a quarterback, that's just executing what you tell him to execute. It doesn't help that because oftentimes when a quarterback goes off script, it's because things are breaking down and you need to make a play. And it means that you don't necessarily hit the B button, right? You you go off the, you go off the script. And you find somebody else. An example is this: on third and fifteen in the Super Bowl against Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes took an extra three or four steps on his seven step drop to be able to give, give himself time to be to be able to get that ball off, because he was not going to take a sack in that scenario. He ensured the fact that hey, I I need to get this ball off no matter what because if I don't, this game is basically over, right? That was that was the inflection point in that game that changed yeah. everything. He went off script to do that, right? He did that on his own. And while it's, you can argue that it's Patrick Mahomes and he's the best quarterback in the NFL and all this stuff, but the point still remains that you need to be able to, number one, have a quarterback go off script to be able to make some of those plays when it, when it counts in crucial moments. And number two, allow them to be able to do that. And I feel like there is this thought out there that Kyle will not allow his quarterbacks to go off script or that he will lose patience with them if they go off script too much. And I wonder if that's happened with Trey, where there was some freewheeling going on and Kyle just didn't like it. And he got impatient with them. Like, look, Kyle's notoriously impatient with quarterbacks. We know this. We know this. He's notoriously impatient with, with how his offense is run and very particular about it. He's notoriously impatient with quarterbacks. That's why he hasn't been able to settle on one in seven years. 
So the concern that I have with Brock Purdy is that there was some freewheeling going on there. There was some off script playing going on and that's what made him successful down the stretch. My concern is that Kyle will try to rein him in and try to make him something that he's not. And it's the same concern I have with Trey where Kyle didn't really know how to use him because he didn't know what he had in him. So they just started using him as a battering ram and Trey's not a good runner. Like it's not, it's not like Justin Fields or Jalen Hurts running or Josh Allen running Trey. Trey is a clumsy runner. We, we have documented that. We know that. So I just, I, I, I don't know if he's going to be able to make anything out of him because I don't know what he has in him. And that's, that's to your point. Like if they never find out, then Trey will never have a chance here. You know, and that's again, what, what Breer really talked about when he was on coward, he said, you know, and then he winds up back in the place with Brock Purdy where he's running his offense again. Uh, because he said that what what Shanahan loves about guys like Kirk Cousins, Matt Schaub, and Brock Purdy is that they can operate his offense the way that, that he envisions it needs, and needs was in italics, needs to be run. And so he says, and then he winds, winds up back in the place with Brock Purdy where he's running his offense again. So part of this could come down to what Kyle Shanahan wants. I mean, does he want Brock Purdy, who's going to run his offense as prescribed, who's kind of got the Kirk Cousins things go, going on, uh, or does he still have it in his head? Like, I want to add a little something here and some athleticism and arm strength, which is the idea of bringing Trey Lanson. And so, you know, Breer cl- clarified, he still thinks Purdy is going to start or BQB one if he's healthy week one. Um, but he said, if there's a coach in the league who's shown us that he's willing to change his mind and doesn't care what anyone else thinks and is just going to play the best player, I think Kyle Shanahan would be that coach at least on offense. And so, you know, it's it's interesting because to me, Breer is the first one in a long time to say, hey, you know what? Like, I think Purdy is going to be the quarterback come week one if he's healthy, but I'm not writing off Trey Lance because of the reason that Shanahan went to get him in the first place. And I feel like that's kind of been the argument is you went and got this guy for a reason. Don't don't throw him away because you had another quarterback come in and have a stretch of success. Granted, it was significant success. And again, I'm not arguing that Brock Purdy can't repeat it. I'm not arguing that Brock Purdy shouldn't be the quarterback. I am simply saying, if you are Kyle Shanahan and you have Fort Knox level job security, and you traded a grip to go get a quarterback because you felt like he could evolve your offense and you wanted him to sit for a year and then you were ready to to put him in and he got injured in the fifth quarter of play in the season and you ended up striking gold with this seventh round rookie who played really well for eight games. Are those eight games enough to to not see what you have in this kid that that you believed in enough to to draft three overall you know and and when we had jack hammer on jack said that there wasn't anything that purdy did last season that he doesn't feel is uh that that he can reproduce this coming season And, and i agree to a certain extent but again the question mark still comes with the elbow and 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 how long it's going to take to fully recover and get back to where he was and that's where I'm like, again, four games, right? L- start 
Purdy on the pup. Give Lance four games, right? As long as as long as Lance earns it in camp, right? If Lance can't beat Darnold in camp, this conversation is moot. It doesn't matter, right? That is worst case scenario. I don't anticipate that happening. So then it's like, hey, let's give him four games, right? Let Purdy let Purdy continue to recover four more weeks, right? Let's make sure that that arm is where it needs to be. And at the end of four weeks, if we're four and zero and and we're scoring twenty three points or more a game, then you keep riding the hot hand until that hand is not hot anymore because you know that you've got this guy in your back pocket. And so, like I said, with that level of job security, if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I want to see what I have in the kid before I jettison jettison him off somewhere else because. Again, I look like an idiot if I don't do that. We ship him off. He blossoms somewhere else, and Purdy doesn't, right? Again, do we know whether that will happen or not? No. And is this a business of winning? A hundred percent. And like I said, I, I don't anticipate I don't anticipate them losing with Trey Lance at the helm, right? I don't. I think he would be fine. It's Kyle Shanahan. It's a Kyle Shanahan offense. It's a Kyle Shanahan offense with Christian McCaffrey, right? That's the other thing. You saw Brock Purdy with Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle. What, what could that offense look like with Trey Lance as a threat running out of the backfield? Is he, is he going to run outside zone? No. Is he athletic enough to do that? No. Have we found that out now? Yes. Is that disappointing? Sure. Right? But he's still a runner, right? Mm-hmm. He's still athletic. He's still you know, has a rocket arm. Let's, let's just see what we have. And that's really, that's my biggest argument is you got to see what you have before you move off of this kid, because you traded a lot for him. And does that matter now? No, but it still, it still should play in the back of your mind. Hey, not only did we trade a lot, but I really believed in this kid when we drafted him and a year of sitting and five quarters of play before getting hurt isn't enough for me to be like, yep, time to move on. It just isn't. And I hope it's not for Kyle Shanahan either. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like all these questions will be answered in time. I, I, I really, like, when Sam Darnold was signed, I thought that it was a good QB3 signing because that's the guy, the veteran guy that you keep as your your practice sure. back, whatever it is, right? Like the guy that, that yeah. can come in and run the offense. But then when the thought came in and, and the rumors came in that he's competing for the backup spot with Trey, I just I was just like, what's what's going on here? What are, what are we even doing? Because if you're yeah. willing to even give up on Trey as a backup without even seeing him play, it's just it just seems so short sighted to me. And I think that again, that's where the, the disappointment for me in this whole situation lies is everything seems so short sighted with this from yeah. the drafting of Trey itself giving up those three first round picks instead of either waiting for a quarterback or rolling with Jimmy Garoppolo for another year, which is what they did anyways, to the way that they played Jimmy over Trey when Trey was drafted. Trey probably should have started more games or played all of that season because then we wouldn't be having this discussion right now. That plus the way that they used him at the beginning of last year and, and it was just kind of a haphazard, we don't know what we have here, we're just going to kind of fly by the seat of our pants. Uh, 
and then now, as I mentioned, Sam Donald coming in as, as the the potential backup to Brock Purdy. It's just they've there have been many missteps uh, throughout throughout this whole process that they've had. But I think that look, it's it's very hard to argue with what Brock Purdy did. It's very hard to argue with that because yeah, and you can't you can't argue with what he did. You can't, and but I think that there's something to be said about keeping Trey Lance as an insurance policy. Should Brock Purdy falter because you don't know what you're going to get out of him in the second season? Right. What right. if he goes zero and four in his first four starts? You got to you have to do something to sell to salvage your season. So I'm not opposed to that, and I think that that's hopefully something that they can do. But look, it, when it comes down to it, it's I feel like it's an uphill battle for Trey. We all know this, and I feel like sure there's there's very little that Trey can do to to push Brock Purdy for the starting job outside of Brock Purdy ending up on the pup to start the season. So for me, I just want the best quarterback possible, right? Whether it's Trey, whether it's Brock Purdy, whether it's oh, Sam Darnold, but I don't think it is going to be Sam Darnold. I just want the best quarterback for for this team to lead them to the Super Bowl because they're close. They're very close to, to getting they are. that hump. They are. The and as- for several years now. And and honestly, with with this roster, if they can just get competent quarterback play, they're going to win a lot of games. If they can get good to great quarterback play, they're going to be hard to beat. Which means that no, Elliot, I don't can't remember your last name, and it doesn't matter. The 49ers are not overrated as yes. Super Bowl contenders, and I don't think there's anybody outside of Philadelphia who uh, would would argue against that everybody else recognizes what this team is, what their talent level is and what they can accomplish. The big question mark, what is going to happen at quarterback? And that will be answered uh, as camp starts next week. Zane, I hope that, uh, I hope that you start to feel better soon. Uh, Safe travels uh, down to Chicago and uh, we will talk with you next week when you're back home. All right, buddy. All right. For uh, our our Canadian friend, uh, Zane Nakvi, I'm Brian Rennick. Uh, This has been another episode of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast on the Odyssey Network. We will see you guys later. Nine zero three, one zero three. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.